and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about early season corn growth and some ways to get your crop off to the best start. Yes, there's corn going in the ground in some parts of the country right now. I'm a little jealous. We're still six weeks off probably on our farm, maybe five weeks off, who knows, but it's it's coming soon, so we're really excited to take on this topic. We also take your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show today at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Uh, before we get going, I was just going to say, it's Darren's birthday, so happy birthday, Darren. He's, hey, welcome. Wow. He's, he's old. Super he's excited. Old, I'm super excited about that. Yes. <laughs> not as old as me, but. <laughs> no, I don't I don't mind having a birthday. It's a good thing. It sure beats the alternative of not having another birthday. So that's that's a big plus. But, you know, as you get as you get a little older, though, Brian, you do have a lot of perspective looking back at previous crops, previous mistakes. And I think about all the things that we change on a year-to-year basis, and it seems like, oh, okay, there's a handful of things each year that we change trying to get better, but you compare that back to, say, 20 years ago on the farm, and there's a ton of things that we're doing a lot different, and it's helping us get a lot more yield. It's one of the reasons we want to talk about this topic today, early season corn growth, because, yeah, if you just look at it as, well, I plant, and I'm not going to be able to see that crop again until I come back with the sprayer and there's some broadleaf weeds coming up, man, you're missing so much out there, getting out behind that planter, checking on things to see how they're they're doing. And then also, if you're still planting and there's crop emerging on your farm, you need to be looking at that emerging crop just to make sure, was everything good or was there something I should have changed? Well, you still have a chance to make those changes. Yep, absolutely. And the thing that I've been most excited about here in the last, say, 10, 15 years is how we can actually pop corn out of the ground much faster than we used to be able to. And not by planting shallow, by the way. Make sure you plant your corn two inches or so deep. Personally, I like two and a quarter. That would be my ideal depth. And I would say this, we're going to have to go deeper this year if there is no moisture there. If we have to go two and a half or even, I hate to say this, but two and three quarters inch deep to hit moisture, we're doing that for sure. In our dry country where we farm, we've got to be really careful about moisture, not having moisture, that kind of thing. So if we can, we want to plant at the right depth. But where I'm going with this in terms of popping corn out of the ground faster, here's what we found will make a difference for you. Number one, it's biological products. So we're using a lot uh, on our corn, costs very little money, and gives us a really big gain. So we typically are popping that corn out of the ground 10 to 20% faster, or let me rephrase that, with 10 to 20% fewer heat units. That is awesome because personally, you know, we have to plant into these really cold conditions. And even if we plant and it's 50 degree soil temps, it will be a 40 or 45 degree soil temp most likely before that corn pops out of the ground. So we need all the help we can get. Next thing is we're talking about a little bit of pop-up fertilizer. Not a lot, a little bit, and it's got to be low salt. Then we look at insecticide. That really helps protect that seed because it's going to be under a lot of stress. And then finally, one of the most important things, you've got to make sure you're getting a good seed treatment. Talk to your seed company about this because every seed company, I shouldn't say every, many seed companies are doing different things on the seed. Some are spending more money on the seed treatment. Others are trying to get by cheap. 
And getting by cheap, there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want, but you just need to understand that's what they're doing. There are a lot of companies out there that only will put four or maybe five things on the seed. Well, the seed we plant has 70 things on it. Okay, so I, I have a lot better chance to get that good early growth. I have a lot better chance of survivability. I have a lot better chance to get, get all these pests, these early season pests stopped and have great stands. That's what I'm after. But if you're after cheap, then again, just talk to the seed company. Make sure you understand what they've got on that seed. So anyway, we'll talk about early season corn growth throughout the show today. And also, if you don't raise corn, a lot of these things we'll talk about, they hold true for about every crop out there. So anyway, I'm sure that you'll get something out of our show today in terms of early season growth. But right now, we want to get to the Ag PhD mailbag. All right, this comes from Ryan in East Central Illinois. He said, I was just putting a new starter system on my planter. I'm running it through precision furrow jets with three nozzles. I'm switching to double pro corn, plan to run by fenthrin or capture through the through a dosatron with my starter fertilizer. My question is, is there any problem running by fenthrin or capture in furrow with the three nozzles, or is it better to do one nozzle directly on the seed. I thought spreading it out throughout that root zone might be a little bit better. Oh, by the way, he said I have high CEC soils. Yeah, so bifenthrin or what? Capture. Oh, yeah, so this is the same thing. Yeah, okay, so there's one thing. I just I wanted to make sure that I heard you right, that it's not two things he's trying to combine. No, insecticide. Basically, he's trying to put – he wants to go double pro to save a little money on corn and use use insecticide. Yes, and I prefer that, that you're going to spread it out in that that area. I've always personally liked T-band, where – some is going to get into the furrow, some is going to be left on top, and it's going to kind of spread it out a little bit. So this isn't T-band, I understand that, but it, it's a, a little better way to spread it. So when we talk about wireworms, they're the one bug where it's feeding on the actual kernel. Most of the other bugs that are out there, they'll feed on the sprout, they'll feed on the young roots. I mean, it varies. And having a little bit of insecticide around the area, I think is a good thing to help repel more bugs and kill more bugs. So yeah, I I think it should be just fine. All right. Oh, hey, there is one thing. Darren, you've had it before where uh, the the application is spotty. So it's on off, on off, on off because the rate got too low. That would be my only concern. If you've got three nozzles instead of one, are we running a yep, high just enough Make sure rate? you have enough carrier. That's going to be the right. big thing. Yep. Then, then you'll take a lot of those variables out. Uh, I got a comment that came in from Travis. He said, you guys were talking about cobalt the other day. Just wanted you to know cobalt is great for our apple trees and it's helped us reduce apple scab. Oh, interesting. Thanks for sharing that comment, Travis. Really appreciate that. Today, our topic is going to be early season corn growth. We'll get right back to that in just a minute. Stay tuned. When it comes to innovative herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. They've been bringing growers trusted brands like Panther, Credit Extreme, and Cheetah for decades, made right here in the USA. What's your favorite New Farm brand? Email it to turnuptheburn at newfarm.com and you'll be entered to win a monthly $1,000 product giveaway. In these challenging times, we know you're under pressure. New Farm's here to help. Mm-hmm. 
you can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today, talking about early season corn growth. I know, I know, it's the first week of March, but we're pretty excited about this. And there is corn going in the ground in certain parts of the country right now. So it's important for those guys right now, today, and for those of us uh, like in South Dakota who plan to plant in April. We got a little bit of time, but not much if you're going to make some changes to the planter. Now, one thing you might be changing is the closing wheels on your planter. We got our friend Tony Wendler with us with Farm Shop MFG to talk about that. Tony, thanks for joining us. Hey, I appreciate being on and it's a very special day. Happy birthday. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that, Tony. <laughs> hey, we're talking about getting corn out of the ground quickly and man, there's so many things that go into that. You were not happy with the closing wheels on the traditional planters. So you went out and made some changes. What did you see that wasn't working and what's different about the germinator closing wheels? In terms of the traditional, I had the traditional rubber and then I had a modified rubber that has a uh, an angled edge on it. Uh, didn't firm the soil over, you know, I, I think back to when my dad uh, had a farm. He'd go out and till those fields, and it looked like my mom's garden, finely tilled. Those rubber closing wheels worked really good in those scenarios. As we uh, get into how we'll do uh, minimum till or even no till, was not satisfied with how the, uh, the rubber was closing those uh, trenches and getting all the air out. So I'd read a lot on different uh, components and start experimenting with some of our own designs. Some of the things that went into our thought process is that uh, hearing a little bit of feedback, some of the spiked wheels would throw seeds out. So we uh, looked that we would, did not want to have spikes go below the bottom of the seed furrow, because I kind of thought that could cause tillage and disrupt the bottom and contribute to that. The other thing that, uh, thinking back, if we're rupturing that sidewall and uh, loosening that soil, we needed a way to firm it back to the seed. And that was where we went with an inner band of steel that uh, the big component is to firm that soil back to the seed. 
A secondary component is it acts as a depth band, so it doesn't allow those spikes to overpenetrate. And that solved two big components for us, and that is the, uh, the spikes going below the bottom of the furrow and firming that soil back to the seed, giving that maximum seed-to-soil contact. You know, Tony, you brought up several points already here. And I I think about when you mentioned with the spiked wheels, I I talked to a lot of farmers that say, what do you think about these spiked wheels? Well, it's not necessarily that the spiked wheels are terrible. It's how we're operating them. And when we're we're going way down deep and getting too aggressive, we see seeds getting flipped out. And I I can't tell you how many fields I've been in where a farmer's like, I'm not happy with my stand. And then I see some of his seeds sitting on top of the ground. And I say, I'll tell you right now why your stand's not good. It comes back to your planter and and we go look in the shop at the planter and it's like, man, it makes a lot of sense. But if you're not one of those guys that's out digging, you're going to miss those things. The, uh, you know, that's a, that's a very big impact. And if you're throwing those seeds out, it's a, that's a problem. Yeah. It's, it's expensive. That was a component. We really, yeah, it is. Uh, losing sand, wasting seed, everything else that goes along with it. And that was an important component of what we were looking at. The other thing that we did with that shoulder, we set that, those spikes out slightly. I want those spikes to go in the ground, and they force the displacement of soil. They're, they're not actually kicking right into that edge of that furrow. They're sitting outside, so when they go in the ground, that soil has to move somewhere, and it moves to the void of the furrow. Okay. And uh, makes uh, I refer to it as making the dirt squirt into the, uh, the empty space, and then that shoulder firms down onto it. Yeah, so it's it's a big difference. Are, that's, that's, yeah, and just like you pointed out, where they're throwing the seed out, if you get those things too narrow, the, the one of the things that we need to put on that also is making sure that those closing wheels are centered over the furrow. And I'd, I'd had one farmer tell me a year ago, that in um, his planter is very similar to mine where it folds forward. And he talked about going through uh, fence row gates. And he said, it's not uncommon to have one of your row units rub as you're going through there. If it's not quite even crossing that threshold, hmm. the uh, issue that he saw, he said, he looks at every field to make sure that his row units are lined up over the furrow because he says he finds about every third field. He's got to adjust one. Yeah, that, that, that is a great to tip. Me because That's a great tip. I, I, I'm like a lot of people. I set mine once and thought it was good. And then when he <laughs> not, said Not that, like a lot, Tony. Looking. Almost everybody, almost everybody does that, sets it once and thinks, well, I'm good now. But you're right. It's it's those checks all throughout the season and, and doing some digging. You were mentioning getting the air pockets out. I, I just think that's huge. And I, I don't see enough people digging and look, I mean, maybe digging one row, but but looking all the way across the planter. Uh, we, we were talking with Tony Wendler here with Farm Shop MFG. He was talking about, he's kind of humble, but he was talking about his germinator closing wheel. It's really something that's pretty impressive. You need to check that out. Uh, go to farmshopmfg.com. Tony, we got a run but thank you so much really appreciate having you on hey thank you appreciate it have a great day you bet you too uh let's head over to illinois we got robert on with us robert how are you doing today i'm doing great i'm looking at a lot of mud and uh water standing in some fields here and there and we're trying to remedy some of those problems 
I don't know that we have any water standing. We were pretty dry here, Robert. Other than where our snow drifts are melting, we may have water for a couple of days here. We're on the dry side. But, okay, so you're starting out on the wet side there. Uh, I understand you had yeah. some questions on strip till. Is this fall strip till or things that you wanted to do in the spring? Uh, primarily fall strip till. Um, I had sent in an email question a few weeks a few weeks ago about um, – Oh, how, what your thoughts were on locating the strip, whether to move back and forth 15 inches and so forth, if you remember that question. But um, I, I just understood in the last couple of days, you guys, at least this year, had uh, put your strips uh, between last year's corn rows. I mean, as far as your soybeans this year will be going on top of strip-till ground. Is that correct? Yep. I think uh, it might even be all our soybeans this year will end up going on to strip-till, just the way things worked out. And okay, on some of our ahead. some of our high, high CEC soils, yep. we have trouble with <clears throat> excuse me soil tilt and compaction. <clears throat> My thought was after I <clears throat> had dug a forty foot long uh, root pit and looked at what we deal with and what with solid root pits, what I always see, um, we've got uh, soil density problems, um, particularly in the areas where the where the tractor tire tracks are in the in the middle okay. middle rows. Yep. So. Yep. Two, so two, two. what I was, oh, what go I ahead. was thinking and like moving forward on your you guys' situation, a year from now, you'd have some residual tire tracks from, you know, planting tractor and sprayers and so forth that that, that will be between the bean rows. Yep. And so my thought would be why not just follow those bean rows, um, no matter what you did, I mean, as far as whether you came in and, and did fall strips right over that same place, but just run the run the mold knife or the strip till tillage tool down the same path two years in a row, and then and, and then move the year after that. Okay. Any thoughts on that? Sure. So first of all, you can do that. You can do anything you want. It's just that when you're dealing with residue, even something as little as soybean residue. It's, it, it's just harder to end up with a great seed bed, and, and that's typically what we're after. Instead of going yeah. right in the row, what I might consider is going just a few inches over to the sides. So you're not all the way in between, but you're off just a little bit. And that would sol- that should help you solve both problems. But let, now, me, let me ask you this. On your, on your soil tests, how high are your calcium levels? Do you have high calcium, or what does that look like? Do you know? Uh, we're coming from a better situation. Uh, we're generally around 70, um, and our, our mags have, have been high. We've yeah. been trying to drive those down sure. some with some applications of gypsum, but yep. um, it, it's, it, it's kind of an ongoing trial there. Yeah, and also, how deep are you running this strip till? <laughs> Excuse me. We've got a mole knife on an Orthman machine, and we're... Uh, we're trying to go six or seven inches deep. We're not really trying to to go any deeper than that right uh, now. Because exactly what you're talking about with this compaction thing, that that's something that we've dealt with for years, and so that's part of the reason why we try to run nine, ten inches deep. Running that little bit deeper helps us get below compaction, and at least now we know we have zero compaction all the way down to that depth. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. 
Mycoapply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about Mycoapply Indoprime SC at indoprimecorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. It's about time. Time for unprecedented season-long foliar disease protection. Formulated for a convenient at-plant application, new first-of-their-kind Inferro Zyway brand fungicides deliver complete inside-out protection from day one. From root to tassel, stalk to leaf. From planting through harvest. The active ingredient, Flutriophol, moves from the soil through your plants as your corn grows. Change the way you approach foliar disease protection from the start with first-of-their-kind Inferro Zyway 3D and Zyway LFR fungicides, available only from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides qualify for the exclusive agronomic and economic incentives of the FMC Freedom Pass program. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. I'm Brian Hefty, along with the birthday boy, my brother Darren. Uh, right before the break, we were talking to Robert from Illinois. Robert, apologize about that. We just had to take a quick break there. Uh, what else did you have for questions for us? We were talking strip till. Uh, just to follow up to your suggestion, yeah. that led me leads me to the, my second question. Sure. Um, we have trouble. Uh, our ground is so soft, any place where we do do tillage, okay. that, um, and I, I presume probably other people doing strip till might have the same thing, um, that if we were trying to run, uh, say, seven or eight inches off the, you know, kind of splitting the difference between the last year's row and, and the middle, okay. uh, e- even where we're trying to split the rows of 15 inches, my son who drives the planting tractor 
and you were using RTK and, and, you know, guidance and so forth. Mm -hmm. Uh, he describes the sensation or I describe it as, does it feel like you're trying to, to ride a bicycle down a railroad rail? Yep. The tractor wants to fall towards the, the soft soil in the strip. Yes. Um, do you have, is that, is that a common, do you have that same kind of experience? Well, um, yeah. So first of all, that can happen, uh, especially when you consider typically we're going in directly in between. And so when you stop and think about it, like for all our soybeans this year, they will, will, will be driving right over the top of last year's cornrows. So that's not, right. I'm going to say, super fun. And of course, the tractor, like everything else, is always going to take the path of least resistance. So it's going to try right. to fight a little bit. But I mean, we do have auto steer, so that helps, number one. Number two, I would just say the only, and I'm not even going to call it a complaint with the Orthman machines that we've run in the past. They're fine. They're good machines. But I, I just know sometimes we didn't have them set to build a big enough berm. In my opinion, you need a, a I'm not going to say a huge berm like a ridgetail guy would have, but a berm there. So at least when it settles down, then there's still, it's still a little bit of a hump there. I do not want it flat. Right. And the more of a berm you have, the less you're going to have of that issue because there, there, there's dirt there. So it, that that should help at least a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's all I've got for right now. So appreciate your time. You bet. Yeah. Good luck out there, Robert. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Let's head down to Alabama. We got the Alabama state corn record holder and our friend Chad Henderson. How you doing, Chad? Oh, how you you doing? How you doing? Well, pretty good. We're a little jealous. We wish we were a little further south so we could start planting corn. Are you planting yet or are you still a little ways off? Man, we still ways off. It's drying out quick. You know, it snowed here. It was pretty bad. He couldn't buy milk and bread for a month around here. You know, it snowed three inches. So, uh, <laughs> it's crazy, you know isn't it? <laughs> but we had two snows, and one was really dry. It was like 12 degrees when it snowed, so we didn't even know. You'd take a leaf blower and blow it out of the way. We've never seen anything like that. And then the other one come in a couple of days later, and it, had, it was so wet that it was sloppy the next day, so... But uh, we had some good bit of field work done, and it laid down real nice. And we've had some rain this last week, but uh, everything's starting to dry out pretty good. But it's it's still plenty heavy. There's I don't know that we could plant corn in in uh, ten days. You know. Yep. Yep. All right. So talk to us about corn then. Obviously, to get big yields, you've got to get that corn off to a good start. Uh, I know there's lots of different things that you do early season to make that happen and with the planter and so forth. Are there just a couple that you'd share with our listeners that don't get enough attention? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just um, you want to talk about fertility kind of are we talking about the planters or which one you which one you well what do you think is important if you were just starting off and (laughs) say say you're yeah (laughs) the planner the planner the planner the planner the planner (laughs) so you know um it just just to make sure everything's you see so many people even down here in the south people are just now a lot of people are just now dragging their planters out to work on them and um it's just it makes it difficult to find things and then with a pandemic going on don't forget that parts might be delayed uh, sure. that, that's a, that's a growing problem right now with what we've had going on in the last year. We've been through this, you know, and so that's, that's something that people need to realize. They may already start that process a couple weeks ahead of time. Yeah. You definitely want to be on the front side ordering anything these yes. days. No doubt yes, about that. Okay. Parts. But, 
you know, the disc openers and stuff, just uh, most time are readily available, but any specialty parts such as, you know, two by two items or closing wheels or stuff like that, it's kind of harder to come by. Absolutely. Okay. So you work on race cars. Is, is a planter more complicated than that? Is it less complicated about the same thing? Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's about the same thing. Everything's attention to detail, right? The more, the more you put in it, the more you get out of it. Well, at least and it's only mean, running well, at... money-wise, I guess. I, money don't count. The money part don't count. We, we were talking about attention to detail. Yeah, no, no. Attention to detail is good, but I mean, running at five miles an hour, a little different than running uh, quite a bit faster, but yeah. but still, yeah. you're putting a lot of seeds out there in a short time. Even at five miles an hour, man, there are a lot of seeds going out of that planter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's been a it's it's a lot, lot going through it, you know, um... We're definitely we the last couple of years we've been running the exact merge planner. We've been with precision planners as well, but the last couple we've been on this exact merge. So it's been a learned experience for us with this uh brush, you know, and what to do and not to do and, and the life of these things as well, you know, the bowls, the life of the bowls instead of over the plates we've always been used to. But um we've been real happy so far with these planners and with with, with what they've done for us as far as stand and emergence and, and the quality of it, you know. You know, you mentioned that you had some field work done ahead of the snow and all the moisture and everything. Mm-hmm. And in, in mm-hmm. our experience, that's been great if we get that done ahead yeah. of time. Because after after a snow, after too much rain, it's really tough to get those conditions right. If yeah. conditions are less than optimal, like we were just talking with Robert in Illinois, and he said, man, it's wet, mm-hmm. wet, wet here. Uh, do you have any better advice for us other than just you got to be well, patient? I was- I was I was listening to Robert, you know, the same way, you know. So we started strip tilling. We're one of the few in this area that strip to it, but a couple of us that do it. And so I've been listening. I was listening to him for tips as well. And so I've definitely seen that with anything we can do in the fall. And it's you know our ground's kind of rolling, still a good bit rolling here. We have terraces and things, and so we're learning how to strip till over terraces. But uh, it's it's definitely definitely something that. You know, the more we can get done in the fall, the better it is. We tried to do some in the spring last year. That wasn't – once it gets wet, by the time it dries up, we're ready to plant. Yep. You know, we don't have time to do field work. So we was able this year, the last couple of years been wet, we was able to do some field cultivator work. The ground is kind of laid flat right now where we where we had subsoiled it, you know, a deep tillage. It's laid flat, and it's really nice. Because before we've been doing a field cultivator pass and then uh, uh, another – uh, tillage pass and then planting in the same week and so it you know it's really rough on the ground and the moisture levels to maintain a constant moisture you know when you're working it multiple sure. times in the same week yep yep yeah I, I like that you're just constantly looking at making changes reevaluating how things are going i i just think that's so critical that we don't get in this rut of this is how we've always done it so this is how yep. we're going to do yep. it again well, uh, what reason we do it down here, I mean, we no-till, we strip-till, we do full tillage, but it gives my planters somewhere to go. You know, we can plant here when we can't plant here, and then uh, vice versa. So it gives, can maybe have a better chance of hitting the optimum plant, planting window if I have different situation to plant in. Okay. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. All right, so you got some irrigated ground, you got some dry land ground. Uh, when you look at a year like this and things start drying off a little bit, I'm sure you're glad you've got the irrigation to give you a little flexibility. Does that help get yep. your early season growth more even? Uh, it, it does. You know, a lot of people just think about an irrigation system and just want to use it when it gets dry. And, you know, we normally, if you look back at my records, I'll normally start irrigating corn around the last week of May. And, and, 
so they want to start getting them ready then but we've used the pivots a lot in the last few years if you get that crusting rain you know behind man it's 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 a great tool to get the corn out of the ground with even emergence and it don't take a lot you know a quarter inch of water to will do wonders you know yeah on the stand when you've got a hard rain behind it so you know you just got to have to keep your eye on that field and then use it in the application it's needed to be you bet yeah, we're we're in it's an so all dry land situation, yeah. and uh, Brian was just talking about how, how dry we you are. You prayed for a quarter inch. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Chad, yeah. uh, really appreciate having you on. I know you're a busy guy, but thanks for all the tips and and thanks for what you're doing. Good well, luck this spring. Well, y'all, it's, it's it's still time. Come on, come on down and see us. That would be really fun. I would really enjoy that. <laughs> we definitely have well, to do Glenn that sometime. Says been, Glenn says he's been going to do it, but he ain't done it yet. So we're waiting. Well, we'll get there soon. Hey, Chad, thank you so much. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. Elite genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Vellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim, I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. 
back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, talking about early season corn growth today and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Craig Rosabohm on with us right now with Kansas State. Craig, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Good to be here. All right, so Kansas might get a little jump on us up here in South Dakota, so we can we can watch you guys and learn a little bit. What are some of the keys for, for good early season corn growth that farmers should be thinking about? Well, planting date is always one of the ba- most basic decisions you got to make, right? We Most of the corn belt, the earlier the better. We're in parts of Kansas, though, they actually delay a little bit because where we're planting early often to get our tasseling and seed set done before the nasty heat hits right there are places in the state that wait just a little bit longer partly because it's too cool in that higher elevation area of kansas but in the spring to really plant early but also then they time pollination seed set to after that nastiest heat of the summer and and they're filling grain into the cooler relatively cooler temperatures of august and september yeah elevation is something craig i'm glad you brought that up i i know um well more than one really high yielding corn farmer across the country that i've talked to said their secret is they've got a little higher elevation they get some cooler nights at those rough times of the year and that that really helps take some of the stress off the crops you're right timing things out so you hit those critical windows at the right weather is is pretty cool i wish i wish we could do better than just well historical average puts us about here because it doesn't always work out but more times than not yeah I, i bet you can guess it pretty close to the same time windows yeah and obviously you want to watch soil temperatures you know uh you're kind of when I'm thinking about corn planting, I'm watching the calendar and I'm watching soil temperatures and I'm watching the long-term forecast. Uh, back in 07, I believe it was, I had a series of experiments going. I planted some corn in the middle of March and it was up to maybe close to seven, eight leaf stage by early April. And I thought I was off to a great start. And that's when we had that Easter freeze. And even though corn can often handle freezing temperatures after it emerges, you know, the growing points below the soil surface, uh, that stayed cold enough, long enough that time to kill it right down to the growing point. So that's the balancing act. Soil temperatures, uh, timing that out. Corn's a heat-driven crop, so sometimes you can plant early, but if it's cool for two weeks, it may not come up any earlier than something you plant a couple weeks later when soil temperatures are actually warming up. Yeah, we've definitely seen that too on our farm where uh, where everything pops up almost the same time, even though you had a wide variance in planting date. You know, you mentioned those years like, like 2007 where you get that heat early, and this could be one of those years where we get enough heat early in the season to, to really push things along at the start of the season. Right, that's where you got to... Uh, Play the odds a little bit, look at the longer-term forecast, and also look at some of the deeper soil temperatures. That gives you, you know, two-inch soil temperature, that gives you an idea of what's going on where the seed is. But if you look at four-inch, that's a little more of a clue as to kind of where the soil temperature is heading a little longer term, you know. 
Sure, sure, yeah, a little more stable. Yeah, we've all seen those real shallow measurements go way up and way down in a, a right. sunny, warm day, no doubt about that. Uh, talking with Craig Rosenbaum with Kansas State. Uh, Craig, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on here. Good luck as we head into spring. I know we're supposed to be 60 up here. I bet Kansas is getting even a little better this week. Oh, it's a beautiful day today. I'm out looking at fields for the first time in a little while. We're awesome. over 60. Awesome. You bet. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Craig. Really appreciate having you on. Okay. Have a great day. You bet. You too. We're talking about early season corn growth. Why not talk to the corn yield champ? we got Don Stahl with us up in Michigan. Don, first of all, congratulations on last year's crop. And how are you going to beat that this year? Well, thank you very much. Um, That's a good question. I don't know how we're going to beat that this year. (laughs) Well, here's here's what I always get out of my brother. I'm like, man, this was awesome, but how are we going to top it next year? He's like, Darren, just worry about right now and what we can do today. Don't worry about next year yet. We can worry about that when the time comes, but it's got to be coming pretty close for you. You're you're a little over a month away from planting. What are you thinking about heading into this year for, for getting that corn off to a great early start? Uh, well, hopefully we'll get off to a lot warmer start than we did in 2020. We were awful cold, awful wet. Um, it kind of delayed planting a little bit. Uh, then we went into a really cold spell. But fortunately, I got the corn planted on May 4th, and we did get through that initial imbibition period while we still had temperatures in the 50s. So okay. it did hurt our stand a little bit, um, but it was better than I thought it was going to be. We thought we were in the middle of a disaster again. Because it took 20 days to get corn out of the ground, so man, and, I'm uh, I'm glad you said that. Glad you said that, Don. That you know, hey, last year wasn't perfect. Even though the there you were successful in the end, it started off kind of rough, and you were a little nervous there for a little bit. And so often we want to give up as soon as up. Oh, we had a bad day, and now this corn doesn't have a chance. And uh, hey, you still got to keep managing, and still got to keep hoping that the weather turns around. It looks like we're gonna have a little more heat early than we did last year, but who knows? Things can change in the next month. Yep, yep. You never know especially this far north. So, um, but yeah, other thing we always do is always going to use starter fertilizer that always gets it off to a better start for us. Uh, we've done that forever. Um, we're going to throw biologicals in there as well and some growth promoters, so growth regulators. And that always helps. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to grow 107-day corn in our region. Yeah, yeah, getting off to a good start that really helps and I know so many guys are trying to to get there doing higher populations and fuller season corn but if you don't make some of those other changes to be able to support all those plants and and to push them along it, it gets pretty tough. You know, when you're you're talking 107 day corn for your area, what are guys normally raising? Are you normally in a 100 day corn area? Um guys around here typically will be between 98 and 103. Okay. Uh day corn. So um we can get get away with 105 pretty good, 107, then we risk not quite getting the black layer. Uh, just depends on the growing season. Yeah. So we yeah. have to get got to get in real early. Yep, just a couple of years ago, we were watching those GTUs at the end of the year, hoping we were going to make it when we were pushing a little bit. So I, I've definitely been in those shoes before. Hey, talk to us about that starter fertilizer. We we had a question earlier on the show today about what do you think about putting it in three streams or putting it in one stream or putting it over in a two-by-two two on one side or both sides of the row. Are you worried about having too much fertilizer too close to the seed, and, and how do you manage around that? 
at the at the rates that we're currently using, I don't want to put those kind of rates in the furrow because um, we're putting on 30 gallon a starter, which is going to consist of 1034 and some 28, and then our our salt index gets pretty high for it to be too close. Um, We've tried in-furrow fertilizer applications in the past, but we never saw any economic benefit to it. Uh, we were putting 25, 30 bucks an acre into it, and, and we were gaining a bushel and a half. So, so dollar-wise, it wasn't working out for us. So, at this point, we're back to just a two-by-two, two and we put everything through that, and that seems to work best for us. Yeah, I like that. I like having a little bit of little bit of buffer there. Just takes a lot of that risk off, especially like you say when you're running higher rates out there to get things going. Okay, once that crop is up, what are you looking for as you're managing that crop? Is there is there something that that really triggers you that yep, I can push it this year, or nah, I don't have a good enough stand and it doesn't look healthy enough that I I really have a shot. Well, first thing is obviously going to be the stand and what your stand count is and how uniform it is. Um, then we really just manage it like we would normally manage a higher yielding plot until about V6, and then we're going to pull a tissue test for the first time. And that kind of gives us a look at how the program is working. And we've done it long enough, and we've kind of developed benchmarks where we know if we hit certain levels, um, that we can push beyond 300 bushel and sometimes beyond four. So it's taken a long for us to get to that point. Absolutely. Yeah, that is that is fantastic. Don, uh, we're out of time here, but thank you so much. Congratulations again on last year's yields, and good luck to you heading into this spring. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plugged nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, installation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases the seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds, even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. It's not about how quickly you come out of the gate with nitrogen fertilizer, but how strong you finish the race. High Striker uses patent-pending chemistry to stabilize your nitrogen in a form that lasts longer in your crop's root zone. Because for high yields, your nitrogen must last longer, so you can finish the season stronger. Visit agrotechusa.com to learn why so many growers are going the distance with High Striker treated nitrogen. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. 
Beat resistant weeds with Tough IVC on your team. Add Tough IVC into your post-emergent tank mix and even the playing field. Tough IVC, a selective contact herbicide, synergizes HPBD inhibitors and enhances the effect of PS2 herbicides. Tough IVC increases control of some of the toughest to kill herbicide resistant weeds, such as Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Ask your local retailer about Tough IVC or visit BelchamUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farm your way. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today just talking about early season corn growth. Look, I don't care what crop it is. When you're planting and it's cold, it's tough to get things going. So one of the most important things that we really encourage you to take a look at is not just the warm germination score, but what's the cold germination score? Now, unfortunately, I don't know any of the seed corn companies that'll put their cold germ scores on there. It's not required. So if you want to know, you got to get your seed in early and you send it off for a test. It's not that tough, doesn't cost much money, and then you know. So that would be our suggestion. If you like to plant early and you say, you know, I got a chance to plant right at that first crop insurance date this year in our area, that's April 10th. Well, if you're going to do that, I, I would like to know, if I, if I was you, I would like to know if the germination's going to be okay. And, you know, the warm germination test is done when it's 77 degrees. Well, around here, our soil temp doesn't reach 77 until about the 4th of July. <laughs> so, since we like to plant earlier than that, always, um, it doesn't do us a whole lot of good to see a warm germ. You need to see a cold germination test. So, that's one of the most important things. And then it got talked about a lot today, having your planter set up well, using a little bit of starter fertilizer, having insecticide and fungicide on the seed, biologicals or naturals as we call them can really help you as well, some plant growth regulators. So there are a lot of things that can be done to help speed emergence, to help improve early vigor and growth. I don't care what crop we're talking about. These things are all important. We want every chance, every seed should have an equal opportunity to have the best possible, whatever it is, corn ear, uh, pods for beans, whatever it is, but have the maximum amount of seed, every plant has to have an equal opportunity. And in order to get that, you want to have even emergence, you want to feed them properly, and you want to take care of them as best you can because you got to understand the weather is going to be fighting them all the time, it seems like. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. Maybe. Can we get to the mailbag? We've been to the mailbag already, Brian. Oh, we have been in the mailbag? Oh, yes, yeah, that's right. We, yeah, I forgot. We answered one question it's, earlier in the it's show. It's okay. I know, I know I'm I getting older, Brian, but apparently you are as well. Yeah. Okay, Paul from <laughs> North Carolina said, I'm trying to establish a new field for hay, and I need to know what would be the best product to use for burndown. I'm going to no-till orchard grass and fescue. 
I'm going to use a nurse crop of oats also to help establish this grass crop. Typically, it's best to seed in the fall, but I was unable to do this the past fall. So you've got to have a burn down that doesn't have any lingering effects to hurt that grass. And that, that starts to right. limit you and what your options really are. really limits you. So if all we're talking about is burn down and no residual, then... You, we got to think about those products. Oh, oh, so by the way, when Darren says it's, it limits us, 2,4-D's out, dicamba's out, and those two things right there are two of the most popular burndown herbicides. So now we're left with Roundup, Liberty, AIM, Germoxone. Those are probably my first four choices. And quite often people will do some tank mixes there, and you certainly can, but it just depends on your weed spectrum. Because, and, and where I'm going with this is, is Roundup going to kill every weed that's out there? Well, look, if all it is is grass, it's fine. But there certainly are some broadleaves in your geography that are resistant to Roundup. So Roundup alone probably won't cut it. And that's where people will add AIM to the Roundup, or they'll just go to Gramoxone, or they'll go to Liberty. Both of those options are a little bit more expensive, Gramoxone and Liberty. And as I'm sure you are well aware, Gramoxone is a much more dangerous product to use than the others. So anyway, those would really be the choices that we're looking at. But just be careful not to use a 2,4-D or dicamba because both of those can hurt that expensive seed that you're putting in the ground. All right. Speaking about seed, Gabriel has a question. He said, I've heard you talk about putting 30 or more different treatments on your seed corn. Well, yep. I probably can't afford to put 30 plus treatments on my corn. I'm wondering if there are any hot new seed treatments that you would say that you have to make sure that are on your seed corn this year. Okay. So some of the things that that you could potentially put on seed corn would be and products we're using. So heat shield is six components. That's fungal endophytes. We've got these nutrient solubilizers that we'll put on NutriCycle, and that's, I think, 26 different components. We've got Boost 10, where we're putting amino acids on. It's over 30 different amino acids. So you see where I'm going with this. In three products, I can get roughly, what would that be, 60, over 60 things that go on the seed. Okay, so it didn't cost much. It wasn't a lot of total products, but there are all these different components in that. And we really do prefer going that way. We have that many more chances for something to hit. When we first started experimenting with biologicals, we were using one or two things. Well, I mean, you got to have the right conditions for those one or two things to hit. If I've got 60 or 70 out there, now I've got a lot of opportunities. So we're just seeing better consistency that way. The other thing that I would say is Ethoboxum. That would be Intigo as a name brand here in the United States. But Ethoboxum is really good, and I like having that on seed corn. I really do. It helps so much with Pythium and some other diseases. But for us, it's mainly Pythium. It, it's in my opinion, a step change over the old fungicides that we used to use for years and years. So anyway, those are probably the biggest things that I would say. The the ethoboxum's got to be done by the seed company. Some of these other biologicals that you can add, and I mentioned three we're using in our farm, uh, but there are others out there. You can either have the seed company do that, or you could put some of those those kind of things on yourself. All right. Thanks for the question. Really appreciate that, Gabriel. This one comes from Andrew. He said, I, I'm checking out your show from over here in Australia. 
I noticed that you were talking about molybdenum and soil testing. We haven't had reliable correlations with our soil tests here, so we are using plant tissue test to, to gain access to our molybdenum levels. Sure. I uh, wanted to make that comment. Also, curious about your views on the Albrecht soil system. My university professor... Uh, is quite skeptical of that system, but I see you guys somewhat endorse it. Is there evidence showing a balanced approach to soil fertility management is more cost effective to eliminate or to alleviate limiting factors? Okay, first of all, with the molybdenum thing, I would say this anytime you're talking about a really, really, really small quantity of anything, it's hard to get accurate tests. So when you're going out in soil, it takes so little molybdenum that if you don't uh, get a get representative samples, then the soil test can be misleading. Whereas in the plant, you find out, hey, I mean, oh, also, we're, we've been talking about corn quite a bit today. Think about how big a corn plant is. Okay, a lot of times you walk out there in the middle of summer, it's 8 or 10 feet tall. That's how big the root system is, and that's no joke. As a general statement, as big as the mass is above ground, that's how big the mass is below ground. So you think about all that, the the millions of roots that you've got in that soil or thousands or whatever it is, um, it can really extract a lot. And you, with your little bit of soil probing, or me, anybody, uh, may not pick that up. So that's my comment on molybdenum. As far as Albrecht, yeah, we're, we have been believers in that. And I'll, I'll say this. Last week we were, we did this seminar with Neil Kinsey, and I just told everybody, and whether we're talking Albrecht or anything that Neil talks about or any expert out there talks about, I'm one of the biggest skeptics that there is. I I, I often try on our farm to prove everybody else wrong. And I want to find out, okay, somebody says this, well, let's just put it to the test. And even for Darren and me, when we disagree on something, how do we settle it? Um, and not, not with punches, we settle it in the field with yield. Let's see what actually happens with yield. And you can't just do little studies. I mean, I, I it's fine doing these little quarter acre things and everything else. But when we try stuff that we think is legit, we'll do it on a big scale. We farm 3,200 acres. So, I, I mean, just to give you an example, we did a uh, broadcast versus banded test for 11 years on a 1,000 acres split. Okay, now, now you're going to find something out. I would just tell you on this Albrecht thing, yeah, it's real, and you, you've got to get your soil in balance. It makes a lot of sense. Now, it doesn't have to be exact. You don't have to hit the exact numbers. And and this is something we were talking with Neil about last week, and he's and he he's great. I'll, I'll give that to him, and I'm not going to disagree with him or anything else. But you know, he'll talk about exact numbers. Look, if you're in a general range, then we know we're pretty good. And how you want to verify that is just prove it out on your farm. Look at soil tests versus yield. We do that on thousands of points every year, and it basically backs up pretty much everything that the Albrecht system says. Right. Thanks for the comments and questions there, Andrew. Thanks for checking out our program. Thanks to everyone today for listening. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.